Welcome to the Darknet Summary. In this month's episode, we look into how fraudsters attempt to add additional layers of anonymity to their activities by using simple but effective reshipping scams. Such scams have various names, including the Parcel Mule scam and Work From Home scams, but they are more commonly known as reshipping scams. Call them what you like, but the format is usually the same. Fraudsters will prey on job seekers by advertising fake jobs online that look too good to be true. The job is always an offer to work from home for only a few hours per week and earn money by performing admin tasks. This includes printing labels and reshipping packages, buying gift cards and transferring money, among other things. In a recent case in the United States, the FBI and the US Postal Inspection Service seized 17 domain names linked to companies involved in parcel mule scams. Although a success, these domains are just a drop in the ocean, pointing to a larger problem we all need to be more aware about. So how did law enforcement discover the latest reshipping scams? Here to explain more is Neto's intelligence specialist, Michal Barbash. It was reported in early November that the FBI and the US Postal Inspection Service had taken down a number of fake company domains that were associated with reshipping scams. The investigation began in February 2021, when a Missouri man discovered a fraudulent transaction to buy a laptop had been made using his credit card, which he reported. The laptop was sent to an address, also in Missouri, in order not to raise suspicions from the e-commerce site from where the laptop was purchased. It transpired that the occupant of the address where the laptop was delivered had signed up to a work-from-home scheme, believing she was working as a quality control inspector. The occupant of the house was being paid $20 to photograph the contents of any packages received, then reship them to another address using a provided shipping label. During the COVID-19 pandemic lockdowns, this form of employment seemed ideal. Michal, in this case, the domains connected to fake companies were used for the transfer of high-value goods to various addresses. Eventually they were stopped. But what happens in the latter stages of a typical reshipping scam? Usually, a parcel mule unwittingly aids a scammer. Sometimes mules may become aware that what they are doing is suspicious or perhaps illegal, but more often than not, individuals believe they are working for a legitimate company, performing admin and reshipping tasks. But there are signs to look out for. First and foremost, if a work-from-home offer looks too good to be true, it most likely is. A typical fraudster using reshipping scams will aim for one of a few things. To have someone fill out their personal information on a phishing site for purposes of identity theft or to steal their credit card details, or they will employ this victim to be the so-called drop for goods purchased online. The intention is to reship them to the original fraudster to an address of their choice, often abroad. All these additional steps in a fraudulent act are intended to shield the original fraudster, making it harder for law enforcement to find and stop them. Michal, why would a scammer need a parcel mule to perform fraudulent activities on their behalf? Although a fraudster will always try numerous tricks to master true identities, geopolitical circumstances are also a current concern. With sanctions preventing money transfers and companies shipping goods directly to Russia, scammers in this country need to be crafty. By using a parcel mule, an item bought in local shop is sent to an address in the same state, for example in Missouri, then posted by mule abroad either to Russia or a country friendly to Russia, such as Turkey, it is a way to bypass sanctions. Later a parcel will be sent to Russia. Many post-Soviet countries are now used as proxy states for sending them into Russia. 
parcel mules should be located in the same place as the victim whose financial data or credentials have been stolen and used. It could be a credit card, PayPal account or bank account. The whole process, in short, goes like this. A fraudster in Russia uses a stolen credit card to defraud a shop in the US. The shop won't send anything directly to Russia, so he needs to hire a parcel mule from a cybercrime service who specializes in hiring and renting mules. The defrauded product is sent by the shop to the mule, and the mule receives it to an address designated by a Russian fraudster. The shop won't know a fraudster's real address, and if the police get involved, only the mule address will be known. Just what effect do you believe the latest domain seizures of the fake work from home offers will have on reshipping scams? Although 17 domains of fake companies used in this reshipping scam are gone, yes ones often pop up in their place and are sometimes created by the same fraudsters. In fact, even before law enforcement gets involved, fraudsters often use multiple fake company names and domains, closing some, opening new ones, in order to prevent people leaving bad online reviews for them. This is done to stop new victims potentially researching and discovering the work-from-home company they are considering applying for is, in fact, a scam operation. Closing and opening up new domains is relatively quick. This type of scam can go on indefinitely, especially if fraudsters are located in Russia, a country that will not deport its citizens to face legal repercussions abroad. A lot of companies like to believe that fraud activities are direct attacks on individuals and quick attempts to steal high-value goods and money. This is partly true, but there are numerous methods and techniques that fraudsters use to commit fraud. Some are more elaborate than others. The aim is to always make quick financial gains while evading discovery and possible arrest. Using a parcel mule and various addresses not connected to them is just another trick fraudsters like to use. It is also just another technique that anyone involved with risk management must know about and prepare against while detecting and preventing fraud attempts. That's the end of the Darknet Summary. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and tune in next month for the latest episode of the Darknet Summary. Our Net One Fraud Prevention blog also contains a wealth of expert analysis on the dark web and anti-fraud issues in general, so feel free to check those out. If you wish to contact us regarding anything you've heard in this podcast or have general suggestions for us, we'd be delighted to hear from you. Send us an email to contact at netone.com.